Did you ever think you would make it? I feel I'm so close I could take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value taming, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to haters. How they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. So we got a special guest here all the way from Buffalo, New York, <laughs> who got nine and a half hours of sleep last yep. night. He just wrote Make a sure book called it. Why You Don't Need More Than Four Hours of Sleep. <laughs> Guys, be ready. Michael Malice is bringing in today. I think we should have probably recorded three minutes before us going to the podcast. Literally, Tom was about to have his first fist fight, and it was going to be pretty intense. Him and Michael going at it, but it's yeah. going to be friendly. I'd Michael, like to see who's it's good to have you on the podcast. Wait, 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 wait. The anarchist side of the room in here. Russians don't use fists. We use knives. Oh. So there was not going to be. That's, that's uh, yeah, so what, what do Canadians use, Tom? Or they use Apologies. That. Or they use that. <laughs> No, not I'm the sorry. Quebecois. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Canadians don't apologize. Just the Quebecois, I'm which are sorry. sort of like I'm recycled sorry. French. <clears throat> Anyways, um, this is what happens when you when you have a guy uh, that comes on a podcast. It takes half a second. He describes himself as an anarchist. Is that correct? <laughs> that Michael is, Malice. That is how I describe myself. Yes. yes. Yeah. It, it, without uh, adjectives. Yes. He has a book. That just came out a couple months ago. The White Pill, A Tale of Good and Evil. Yeah. Mm. Michael Malice, the man, the myth, the legend, in the flesh today. Uh, how you been, man? How you doing? I am doing great, uh, relatively, yes. Yeah, relatively. So tell us your sleep pattern. You said you became <laughs> an author. I think the audience wants to know what is the... So uh, one of the... I had several reasons to become an author, yeah. none of which are particularly because I like writing books or I was particularly good at it. But I wanted ha, had a list of things I wanted to ha, uh, visualize and accomplish in my life. Never have to talk to someone I don't want to. Um, work for myself. Have a legacy. And also sleep in when I go my natural sleep pattern. So I go to bed at 2 a.m. I wake up at 11. And this I've been doing this for years. So whenever I, that's kind of messed up, I am just uh, low-key angry. Michael, you literally go to sleep at 2 a.m. and you wake up at 11. Every day, Monday yeah. through Sunday. It's so great. So when we said oh podcast God. 9 to 11, you thought it was late night 9 oh, to no, no, 11. No, 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 no. I didn't think that at all. You said, come do the show. And I said, sure. Then you're sure. like, oh, it's 11. So you did a bait and switch on me. Yeah. You well, never have a morning meeting in your life. Michael sends me a message. I, I used to do Glenn Beck's show uh, in the morning, um, yeah. and that was hell on earth. I'll say one thing. Uh, Back in your the day schedule when he was in it, Texas? Is, is the exact opposite of what I was looking for in my life. Because I used to work in nightlife in Miami. Right. And I was sick of waking up at noon every single day. I would go to bed at 4 or 5 in the morning, a little later than you. Right. Oh, and gosh. wake up at noon, and I was like, I got to get my life together. But that this is my biorhythm. Hey, listen. And that, what's the buddy. point of being successful if you can't set your own terms? Michael, if those are your body, you worked in what, what the audience wants to know is what are your pronouns? That's that's it. <laughs> sir. Okay, sir. I got you. And that's if you can somehow know. convince Pat to get on your schedule, you are a great salesman. It well, it's gonna, it's, she should be on his schedule. Yeah. It might not work for him. You yeah. should take advantage me. of the whole pronoun thing. Just make your pronouns tired and shut up. I'm not tired. I'm just kind of. That's his pattern, Tom. Yeah. Two Let to the man sleep. What's Tom? wrong with that? You, you know, you know what's crazy. So, so yesterday, while we're talking about this, yesterday I do my the the executive physical that I do every, every couple of years. You go in at six thirty in the morning, uh. kind of time time you wake up, <laughs> and and they literally take you from doctor to doctor to doctor, and they test everything. Right? They te- check your heart, 
your skin, your breathing, your, you know, everything. They do. It's phenomenal. You see nine or ten doctors in a span of nine hours, okay? <clears throat> and the lady asked me a question. She says, so how much sleep do you get per night? And uh, I felt compelled to sell her my sleep pattern. I said, listen, I just want to let you know, there, you know, that aura ring thing that you people wear. So, yeah, so I wore it for like six months. And it's not how much sleep you get. It's how much deep sleep you get. Because according to Aura, I get a lot of deep sleep. And she says, really? I said, yes. She says, you still need to figure out a way to sleep seven hours a night. Because I'm doing four to six, whatever the time is for me. And I said, look, it works for some. It doesn't work for some. But it is what it is. And I think that's what it is. Some people are, you know, the whole morning person, night person. Mm -hmm. I think there is some truth behind that. No, if you're you're awake in the morning, you're not a person. There's something wrong with you. (laughs) Uh, Early bird is not getting the worm (laughs) in your house. No, they're getting the shotgun. But But the thing is, I think extremely extremely successful people often are the ones who's uh, evolutionary advantage that they get by in four hours of sleep. Like Clinton had four hours of sleep. Yeah. Thatcher famously had four hours of sleep, yeah. and they could just get by. You're yeah. getting nine hours. Of I'm sleep. getting nine. So I'm a failure. Yeah, I, I'm. A, I'm like modern. Joe Biden's getting I'm twelve a, to fifteen. We hear sleep. Well, if there's anything you're not as a failure, people love listening to you. Your opinions, but get maybe people thinking. But maybe they're failures. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's that's a, that's a perspective to have, right? Yeah. You're failing. I'm winning. I'm Michael Malice, <laughs> yeah. right? I'm the white pill guy. Anyways, okay. So for the audience that doesn't know you, Michael, take a. Uh, um, we did a podcast together. Yes. It was a Zoom. It was the first time we had an yes. interaction together. And I was trying to learn about you. A lot of people kept saying, Pat, you got to talk to this guy. You got to talk to this guy. We had a great conversation. I enjoyed it. Very it. Yeah, that's why I'm here. And, yeah. and he messages me. He says, you said, I thought we had a good conversation. I'm like, Michael, we had a very good conversation. We were trying to get on the podcast. So our booker, when you and, you and uh, we were trying to get a time to get on the podcast, right. they're like, hey, Michael, not right now, maybe later. And, and any, anyways, we eventually made it work. Wait, that's You're, not what happened at all. You, so he said, do you want to do the show? I said, yes. I don't hear from him. I check in. And then he goes, they're not interested. It wasn't later. It was like, it's a no. But the guy's name is who? Who was Alan something. Alan. That's not our booker. Right. That's our booker. <laughs> that well, is our he booker. also texted my sister somehow. Yeah. So, so, so did I, by the way, but that was a separate well, thing. Well, Alan wants to date she your sister doesn't, she doesn't, through you. She, she likes her sleep also in different you, ways. You know, you know, I, I, I uh, <laughs> was that a subtle? <laughs> she how is that, how, how is that subtle? There's a, there's like, <laughs> listen, you want subtle? I'll do it at 11 p.m. <laughs> Michael, give us your background. So how, how, how does one like you uh, <laughs> they don't. Become, no one likes become, me. <laughs> become, you know, who you are today with your ideas? Tell us, tell us where do you get your ideas from? Um, I don't. What do you mean? Can you? What do you mean by that question? Exactly like, what I ask you. Like, how did you come up with the ideas that you have today? Was it? Well, a, I didn't come up with them per se. Yeah. I mean, a lot of my ideas, being an anarchist, uh, um, are historically. You know, I did something called the Anarchist Handbook, which we discussed. It yep. was a collection of uh, the tradition of anarchism, and this tagline for the book is "The Black Flag Comes in Many Colors" because there are different schools of anarchism. But basically, anarchism is the understanding that. Uh, Political authority is illegitimate, and uh, you do not speak for me, and everything else is just application. So when you're saying anarchists, uh, we, we've interviewed libertarians, Democrats, Republicans, progressives. I, for me, this is my first anarchist. Well, Dave Smith's been on. He's a very failed Dave, anarchist. Yeah, he's more <laughs> failed. I like very Dave Smith failed. a lot. Yeah, I like so do I, but he's a very failed anarchist. He's your most frequent guest, I think you said. Yeah, we, when we podcast. did the lockdowns, we did crossovers yeah, to keep I think, I think he's a stud. But stuck. I mean, okay. Right. He'll listen, pick your ass, bro. I, I know Relax, there's the line. Okay? About, I am. Relax, uh, Malik. Listen, I know there's that line about you got to wake up pretty in the morning, but to convince me that Dave Smith's a stud, you really got to wake me up early in the morning. Dave gets six Dave, hours of sleep. Dave's a six-hour guy. You know, in his in his mind, that's a stud. And by the way, 
You're talking to a guy that also respects people who get proper, ample amount of sleep. Okay. So he's part of the Ariana Huffington camp. But go ahead. You're going to ask your question. Sleepy Dave. (laughs) Sleepy Dave. Well, anyway, so you're you're unique. So for I guess part of Pat's questioning is yeah, I know unique. You're a nice guy. I'm nice. Uh, So for you, you're probably like, yeah, I'm an anarchist. It's like I roll out of bed at you know noon. It's what I do. I'm an anarchist. I. But for the most of the people in the audience, probably not too familiar with what the the substantive beliefs of anarchy are. When I hear anarchy, I'm like, this guy's a wild man. But you seem pretty, you know, nice guy. So explain what anarchy is and why people should maybe consider that <clears throat> for their ideology. Well, I, I remember when I was in college, we, I was taking a bioethics course, and there was this kind of chart that spanned the, the range of what the bioethics range of ideas were. And in one, char- one part of the uh, chart was legalism, which is basically the idea that what the government defines as moral is moral. And the other half is that antinomianism, which is the belief that uh, it, morals are independent of the law. And the, the author went on to say, well, since no one believes in antinomianism, it's somewhere else in this chart. Well, that is the belief in antinomianism, that something is not moral since le- simply because it's legal, and something is not immoral simply because it's legal, that morality precedes law, and that uh, politicians or you know anyone else who kind of tries to assume authority have to be held accountable to a higher power, but also the belief that you know government, democracy, all these things are inherently illegitimate and can never be made uh, valid or um, coherent even. So you're saying there's a difference between morality and legality? Yes. And okay. I don't think that's a particularly con- controversial perspective, that aspect of anarchism. And then who, how do you define morality? Who's the, who's the authority on morality? There's, is well, it the Bible? Is it God? Well, is it Jesus? Is it Muhammad? How, where do you come up with morality? Is it human? Muhammad. That's, what that that's it? No, that's where it is? No, as the, a Jew? The, as a Jew, yeah. It's Muhammad. I mean, I, I really bet on the wrong bank on this one. Um, no, I... I Morality is something Rand, Ayn Rand talks about very frequently, and this, again, is independent of anarchism. Morality is something that we all have to deal with. We have no choice. We all have to face moral issues on a daily basis. We may not tend to think of them as moral, like, okay, am I going to go to the school to check up on how my kid's doing, or am I going to spend time at business, or am I going to be with my mistress? These are all moral questions, even though they may not be framed, but maybe the last one most certainly would be. <laughs> so the point being that morality and our conscience is something that is inescapable, uh, and there are very many mechanisms uh, promulgated by the corporate press to try to make things seem morally ambiguous or seem morally uh, um, incorrect. And this is just you know one of the other many reasons why I and so many other people, not specifically anarchists, ha- have so much contempt for corporate journalists. Mm-hmm. By the way, I just searched uh, 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 what is anarchy, right? Anarcho-pacifism, oh, okay? God, yeah is a form of anarchism which completely rejects the use of violence in any form for any purpose. The main precedent was Henry David Thoreau, who, uh, uh, through his work, civil disobedience, influenced both Leo Tolstoy and Mahatma Gandhi's advocacy of nonviolent resistance, right? So I think when when you and I talked last time, I'm trying to... I asked, I said, would that be possible today in America? You were pretty confident that it wouldn't be hard to get there. So if, if, we, if we wanted to, if, if you had it your way, let's just say today, Michael Malice wins 2024 election on nine hours of sleep. But how, right? how, am I running, how am I running for office? <clears throat> I know you're not, but let's just say if you are, okay? The Dream big. And, and you're, you're, a, you're able to do certain policies that you would like to implement in U.S., what would some of those policies be? You mean like what kind of guillotines? 
<laughs> there you go. That's one. French Revolution vibes? Who goes first? I I, uh, I, I'm, I don't... Okay. This Great is what, question, This Pat. is what happens when you wake me up early. Great Who question. goes first? This, this is what happens Who's when you wake me up early. Who's on the chopping block The mask dropping, and it's like, all right, because I do have a list. No, um, I do not believe... <laughs> the list. Uh, I'm not even really kidding. I don't believe that someone can ethically be a politician and serve, but to answer your question in a different way, no, I'm not a pacifist, and the only policies I would be interested in doing is to uh, you know destroy as many swaths of government as possible and to have consequences for government officials as much as possible for their uh, depravity so get rid of uh, so if you don't then the government runs without having any politicians uh, uh, and uh, the people are managing themselves with the laws and the guidelines and the rules all of that that's that's kind of how it's you not it. necessarily they're managing themselves for example if i go to like a department store right there's a system of governance in place i can no shirts no shoes no services something like that there's some store will have you can return things some stores have it you can't return things so basically you would have this kind of localized uh, excuse me very localized very decentralized set, sense of governance because there's this kind of myth that uh, anarchism is the idea of no rules, but that's not accurate at all. If I go to your house, you know, if you're having a white party and I got to wear white, it's certainly within your rights to say you're not wearing white. Get the f out of my house. So it is, you know, it is inescapable that someone is going to have jurisdiction over certain uh, areas. The point being to have someone insinuate themselves as the state uh, in between these relationships is illegitimate. How does that look like? So, so let's yep. so. <clears throat> So you're saying it would be self-regulated, like we would self-regulate. We, we do that now. Again, I'm here. I, I came at your time. I am doing your podcast. I can't just do whatever I want. I'm following certain principles. And then if I don't, at a certain point, you can either tell me to leave or if it gets extreme, you call security. So this is something that not only is not hypothetical, it's something we live 24-7, you know, 365 days yeah. a year. And uh, anarchism is, you know, voluntary cooperation and exchange is the basis of any healthy society. And the problems only come through public crime, governments, or private crime, yeah. criminals. So then if that's the case, uh, we're, we're right now... What country today is running on that system? So anarchism isn't a location. Anarchism is a relationship. So anytime you have two people or two organizations or two entities or more where they have no semblance of authority higher than them, that is an anarchist relationship. And let me give you a good example. We don't have a world government, right? So if an American uh, – I apologize for this. And if an American kills a Canadian in Mexico, who has jurisdiction? No one. But they still have some mechanism in place between the three of them because every country is in a state of anarchism toward every other country. So anarchism, again, isn't like a place. It's a relationship between different entities. How does that work in interpersonal relationships? So let's say with a husband and wife or a, right, the husband, a business partner. Husband's in charge. That's it. Bottom line. <laughs> it's the best answer I'm going to hear all day. But. That's what Mah Muhammad was right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it, it, it's it almost sounds like you, you sound like a pastor. It's like you know it, you got to have a relationship with God. 
it's, it's what it is. You know, it's not a Christianity is not a religion. It's a, it's a relationship with God. You know, Muslim is not. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. But at the same time, if you say anarchy, so if if because the way you sound, you sound super convincing. Okay. Ooh, okay, and 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 you're a you're obviously very sharp guy. Okay. Your your history stuff you 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 know guys coming up to you helping out with writing. You do such a good job that they thank you, but they say please let's make sure we don't have to say that you did this because of your background and what you believe in. You're a very sharp guy with your background. You've been on Rogan. I don't know how many times you've been on Rogan. Uh, it's either eight or six. Okay, that's a lot of times to be on Rogan. How do you and, not know the so number? He pulled two episodes because we had the N word. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so Jesus. six. Got it. Talk so, about <clears throat> anarchy. Relax. Well, but 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 okay. So, but well, you sound convincing. If it's that convincing, Michael, why aren't more people doing it? Is it the argument? Is I'll, I'll tell the, you. I'll, I'll, can I ask your question? Yeah, absolutely. So there's an essay in the Anarchist Handbook by Emma Goldman, and she gets into why the majority cannot reason. So the vast majority of people are not capable of rational discourse, particularly when it comes to politics. So any kind of and democracy exploits this. Uh, first of all, they don't often have time, but second, they often don't have the mental capacity. But again, it's, the popularity of an idea is not at all a testament to its veracity or lack of veracity. If that were true, then the funniest show in history would be how uh, the Big Bang Theory, uh, which of course, I don't think anyone will say with a straight face is the case, but that's the most popular sitcom that that's uh, either now or has ever been. Ridiculous. So one of the, there are several reasons. One is why it's not more popular. People in power, especially those who are in power illegitimately, have an enormous vested interest and enormous incentive to maintain their power and to increase their power. And for over a century now, uh, the state has been raising America's children as its own. Uh, taking them since now they want it younger and younger and inculcating them with ideas that if you received them for the first time as an adult, you would regard as absurd. But since you've been kind of trained to accept them as plausible since you're four or five years old, you don't even bat an eye when they're repeated to you as an adult, such as the idea that we all understand here in this room, maybe it's different for the Canadian, that uh, aristocracy is illegitimate, right? Just someone was born to some king, and now this guy is going to, or some queen, and now this person is going to have some kind of uh, um, position to dictate terms of your life, or take money from you, this is crazy. But somehow, if there's a lot of your neighbors believe something, that they now as a group have the power to take your freedoms away, that is regarded as Sanity. It's in in the anarchist perspective. It's complete as completely insane. The, the, what was the first anarchy community? What was the first anarchy community? The fir- I, I don't know what you would what you would consider the first anarchist. Well, community. I'm just googling it right now, and I put anarchy, and it says list of anarchist communities. So, Wikipedia. So which one would be uh, meaning? Because you said it's not a country. It's a relationship, right? That's what you said. But it's, again, it's so these these little communities are very much kind of the, in the anarcho-capitalist, uh, excuse me, anarcho-communist way, and they often didn't last very long. Yeah, I guess. So, but the idea of anarchy, what was the first inception of the idea of anarchy? What year was that? Again, it, it again zero. The year five thousand BC. Anarchism again is a relationship. So, whenever you have people interacting with each other without any kind of sovereign or, or ruler over them, that is an example of anarchism working. It's not a place and it's not a time. Well, so an example would be two friends. Okay, here you go. No, no, but, but Here's, I'll give you some examples. Okay, ready? Here's some examples. Stop Googling, listen. listen <laughs> I'm going to read this to you. I'm going to read this to you. And then, how and then about you I give me the question. idea. Anarchy is a society without a government. Okay. Okay? It may also... I don't re- care what the computer says. I'm, under, not- I'm just... Because for me, it's, it's for smart guys like you, you don't need it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get... You know, I'm, I, I'm not there but, yet. But I don't think so, Wikipedia is... I know. Let me just read this, okay. Michael. Okay. So anarchy is a society without a government. It may also refer to a society or group of people that entirely reject a set hierarchy. 
America, anarchy was first used in English dictionary in 1539, an absence of government. That's kind of what I was wanting to know. Like, when did it get started? So 1539, the idea came about like first time using a dictionary. Pierre Joseph Proudhon adopted anarchy and anarchists in his 1840 treatise, What is Property? And then it goes into explaining the rest of it. But go ahead. You were going to say something about anarchy with a relationship of friends. Just because the word was used for the first time in a certain year does not mean the concept or the philosophy was original to that year or time. I'll give you examples of anarchism working. Music, cuisine, mathematics, astronomy. These are all anarchist systems, meaning there is no sovereign, there's no government regulating it. These are individuals and organizations working together voluntarily and creating systems. Those are all examples of working anarchist systems. So go deep. But the question becomes, can that be, uh, uh, can those philosophies, so so for you, if anarchy is a relationship and it's used in those different uh, sects, uh, then, then what would be an ideal situation for you for there to not be a government? Well, I don't I know about ideal because I think when you start getting into ideals, it starts becoming a little bit incoherent. But yes, n- not necessarily not be a government, but the understanding that the government is inherently illegitimate. And frankly, a lot of what the government does, and I'm sorry I have my back to you, by the way, uh, a lot of what the government does is a function of so many people being trained to regard it as legitimate and basically bend the knee when they don't otherwise have to. Interesting. You were going to say, go ahead with the music. So the the examples we're using on the music side, if you can elaborate. I think part of the reason that Pat's Googling stuff and I'm asking these questions is because we generally don't know about this kind of stuff. So for you, you're like, I talk about this every single day. Come on. No, no, I'm saying that Wikipedia is often a very incoherent and poor resource when you're dealing with fair enough but i mean it gives us a a, a good baseline for what's going on i I think it gives a bad that's my point if you're starting you are a true anarchist bro i'm not a true anarchist i I just don't regard wikipedia as really a coherent resource when it comes to most things i don't think it's a controversial opinion okay so why don't we go a little bit more modern while uh tom's got a question for him can you uh, uh rob Maybe this is at his standard. And before we go into uh, Chad GBTing what anarchy is, let us go to our sponsor, <laughs> Gold Co. Okay, with all the mess going on right now in the economy, the all the mess that's going on with Silicon Valley Bank, all the conversations uh, people are having, uh, uh, even just this week. Do I move my money out of this? Do I move my money out of that? Nobody can predict what's going on today. Not the biggest experts. Uh, 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 just a few months ago, a guy named Kramer, not even a few months ago, a month ago, Kramer saying, well, Silicon Valley Bank, it's a good buy, it's this, it's that. And that's the guy that's supposed to be the one everybody takes advice from. Boom. Next thing you know, Silicon Valley Bank, $200 billion company, goes uh, belly up. And now people are looking at other places that this could happen to, which we'll cover here in the podcast momentarily. This is the point. You can't predict the future. I cannot predict the future. The whole part is about how we can hedge against what could possibly happen. And one of the ways to hedge against a market crash is to have gold in your portfolio. A small percentage of your money you ought to consider having into gold. And the company we work with is Gold Co. We've done a lot of research on these guys. They got uh, plenty of positive reviews. I've talked to people that have worked there directly, people that I've known for 15, 16 years. And so uh, for us, uh, uh, Gold Co. is a six-time Inc. 5000 winner, 2022 company of the year with billions of five, uh, with mil- uh, thousands of five-star reviews. And they've helped people like you and me place over a billion dollars in gold and silver. Value 10 viewers could get up to $10,000 in free silver and a, one, a free one-ounce silver Ronald Reagan coin with a qualified order. I don't think he was an anarchist. And call them today at 855-594-2758, 855-594-2758. 
or go to goldco.com forward slash PBD, goldco.com forward slash PBD. Rob, tell us what chat GBT. Maybe that's at, at Michael Standards because Wikipedia is obviously questionable by everybody. Okay, you're right, yeah. What is chat, what, anarchy, yeah, exactly. Did you question it already or no? Is it, is it currently it's down? Capacity, but well, I may be able to try it over here. Yeah, Hang you on. keep doing what you're doing. When you get it, let us know. You but, had one job. Yeah, Rob's can't name. even get on ChatGPT. <laughs> Sounds on. like complete anarchy. What's going on in ChatGPT? <laughs> Rob, Rob's so a had a rough couple of weeks, even though I know he's doing his best. But go ahead. So, a question for you: yeah. Every now and then, um, uh, whether it's missionaries or anthropologists, discover small groups of people, indigenous people, that have hitherto been not discovered. And observation is they have some very basic mores and folkways, sure. and they've just sort of assembled among themselves. Would you call that? anarchist groups no because they almost they always if i, I want to say almost always because i'm not an anthropologist but they do have a very rigid uh, uh legal and hierarchical structure there's a chieftain uh and and there are laws that are enforced so. and so the, and so even though absent influence of any of the government structures or but they do have know, a government structure. they have a judicial system it's just primitive right they're can i have finish to, sure okay <laughs> um so they're absent any of like, oh, you live in Luxembourg and there's the king or whatever. They're, they've been absent that. There hasn't been an outside influence on them like that. They've just grown inside. But because they've grown a hierarchical structure, maybe it's patriarchal, whatever it is, that is their government. And therefore, they're, that's not an anarchist group. Right. And I, I think it also depends on the size, right? I, I don't think – I think some of these primitive societies are actually quite – are not just like a dozen people. They're actually quite sizable and do have a functional government structure. Something that just came to my head. So where do you stand on the whole um, defund the police? Because obviously police or even military, this is part of government. I'm for police abolition uh, and, and having the market provide security. Uh, whenever you have the government having its security is far too important of a service to have a monopoly on it, let alone a government monopoly. And when you have a government monopoly on any product or service, the consequence is always strife, uh, uh, shortages, and, and uh, other negative externalities. So you want the free market to uh, be the authority on anything, security, well, I police? I wouldn't say the authority, but yes, the, pre the free market provides, would provide security far better, just the same way that provides food far better, education far better. Uh, and all everything else far better so, than would uh, um, the government monopoly. No, well, because there's no accountability when it comes to having any kind of monopoly. People understand this about you know if you had like let's suppose an oil monopoly, which never happened, but let's suppose you had an oil monopoly, that mo monopoly is not going to be accountable to consumers or the market. But when you have a m government monopoly somehow in security, everyone's like, well, what are you going to do? Well, the answer is to have decentralization and also to have uh, um, as much of an armed population as possible. And then, and, and how does uh, law and order constitution just basic framework of what's going on in democracy how would that uh, so factor in? um anarchism is the mother of order not the daughter so if you have again the best way to have order between any kind of peoples or organizations is to have it be voluntary and agreed upon so we have contracts right if i go into a business with you we sit down ahead of time and basically work out the divorce we're like, all right, these are your responsibilities. These are my responsibilities. What happens if, you know, you get sick and you can't work it out? What happens if I get sick, if I don't fulfill my terms of the contract? So whenever you have any sort of voluntary um, interchange between two people or two or, or two or more organizations, it's going to be far more peaceable. And when you have far more uh, of an idea of self-reliance and you have accountability 
in the entities that are providing any given service, it's going to be far more um, efficient and far more pervasive and widely available. Mm-hmm. Food used to be a huge problem, even in this country. Nowadays, you know, the problem is there's too much food and everyone's obese. So clothing is another one. We make so many clothes. You know, back in the day, people had one pair of shoes and you had to wear it all your life. Now we have so many clothes, we're shipping them overseas and there's literally landfills of these crappy T-shirts. What do you think about communism? Well, that's the point of this book. Okay, tell us about it. Well, it's really bad. (laughs) Uh, The point of writing The White Pill, and this has nothing to do with anarchism at all, um, the book. uh, The point of The White Pill is I was kind of disquieted, you know, being born in the former Soviet Union, to what extent it has been almost being forgotten. And this is something that ended in our lifetime, the lifetime of everyone here and probably the vast majority of people listening as well. And what people went through for decades on the far side of the Iron Curtain was so disturbing and also so hard for us to wrap our heads around. We, let's, I don't know if any of you have diabetes. I don't, right? If someone tried to tell you what it's like living with diabetes, you're, it's going to be very different from actually living it, right? We can wrap our heads around, okay, I can't have candy. Are there other health externalities? You know, can I exercise? Maybe I'm gonna if I want to take a uh, marathon, I'm gonna have to do certain things. It, it's it, we're still not gonna get there intellectually unless you live it. So we can maybe understand. Okay, I'm in school. I'm taught certain things, or someone's listening to me on the phone, or people get arrested and you're powerless to do anything about it. We can maybe understand each of those elements individually, but in terms of understanding that pervasive atmosphere. The tagline of the book, it's, let me get the exact quote. When Rand was testifying in front of Congress, she said, it's almost impossible to convey to a free people what it's like to live in a totalitarian dictatorship. So I try to explain throughout the course of this book just what it was like. And even I don't really understand it. My protege was just in Prague. They have something there called the Museum of Communism. And they, you know what's great about this museum is it's not written this Western style in a scholarly manner because it's like, according to these demented ideas, we were all supposed to have food, but instead we were starving. And when, I was, when he sent me all the photos of the captions because I wanted to quote one for the book, it made me appreciate for the first time what it was like for my family in the sense of totalitarianism, you know, this is a stupid pun, but it, it's not a pun, but it means total. So it's everywhere. There's nowhere to go from the moment you're born till the time you die and you're told you can't leave. So let's suppose there's a politician you hate or you hate politics in general. You hate Trump. You think Biden's a fool. You can watch sports. You can listen to music. You can read books, historical books or contemporary books. Yes, there's trying to put politics to everything, but there's certainly very many venues where you could escape or even just talking to your friends. They didn't have that. And even just talking to your friends, you have to wonder, all right, did Pat turn? Is so, or someone, is someone, did someone get to him? Or is he just doing this for status, for money? So that kind of sense of having something, the government and that ideology govern every aspect of your life is something that I think is important for those of us who love any semblance of freedom, Republican or Democrat, to appreciate. So, you know, th- that argument, again, uh, um, goes to... That could work for those that are independent. They can take care of themselves. Uh, but if 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 you if you can't, and you and I have to police everybody, do I already want to deal with police and everybody? Wait. Do I already want to? You know, if if there isn't, uh, so so. What are you, you growing think, your own food? What, what do you think about law and order? What do you think about law? What do you think about law and order? Uh, wait, hold on. Are you growing your own food? What, what do you think about law and order? I I am favor of order. I don't think law is a good mechanism of getting order. 
Okay, so what order are you a fan of? Just the people in the community deciding what it is? or I'm in favor of people behaving peacefully, which is uh, overwhelmingly the norm. And in fact, the problem is that so much crime is granted legitimacy and is not punished as a consequence due to having a government monopoly on policing. Okay, so you're not a fan of law. No, I, I think having a monopoly means that product or service is not going to be distributed well, or if at all. We have right now, and no one even thinks this is weird, prosecutors... A lot of times I'll be like, yeah, I'm not going to prosecute this. How is that law? That's crazy. I understand you're taking one one element of it. But if you uh, – we had Gordon Chang on. I don't know if you know who Gordon Chen is. So Gordon Chen, uh, who lived in uh, China for 20-some years, and uh, he says China was a mess when there was no law because little to no law. And he says in 1984, some number like that, he said there was four uh, – uh, universities that gave away law degrees because it wasn't something that was popular. And they realized capitalism uh, doesn't work without laws because somebody can bully and take advantage of the other person. What is your POV of not needing laws? Wait, wait. I, I, I find it crazy to think that there's no bullying in China, especially via the state. I mean, the whole the, point of the communist system. A lot less than before. This is why their uh, innovation grew the way it has the last 40 years, because they added laws, which they didn't have before. But they, they did have laws, but that law was basically the will of whoever the CP official was. Like, and that's the problem. The problem is the laws don't apply to you know a Joe Biden or a Donald Trump like they would apply to you or me or to someone who's much poorer than us. Uh, if you had a system where services are provided uh, by freedom, uh, it's going to be a lot more equitable and it's going to be a lot more coherent because if I am trying to get – I'm promoting a product or service, I need to be able to put my money where my mouth is. Whereas if a cop shoots someone, it's like, well, oops, you're, you're just going to be suspended and get a pension. It's absolutely – the double standard between something with a monopoly and something that is provided when there's an element of competition is just night and day. So you're saying if there's no cops, people won't rob. I'm just saying there's no – I was saying if there's no government monopoly If there's policing, no government cops – Let's just say there's no government. Class. I'll give you an example that's happening. Yeah. This is hypothetical. Yeah. So everyone here, if you go to a bar which is full of young males, full of testosterone and alcohol, it is still safer there than in the places where the government is providing security, such as uh, city parks at night, alleys, the subways. When you have, there's no incentive for a government monopoly to provide its service. And in fact, the worse it provides its service, the more taxes the, the politicians are there in a position to demand that the populace pay in because they could say, look, we have a problem. We need more of this. We need more of that. So when things are provided privately and you at hotels is another good example, yeah. everyone in a hotel is uh, not um, native to the area where they're in. It's still safer in a hotel than in public housing where everyone actually lives there and you know who lives there. You sound so convincing. It's but not how do you funny. argue with this? But but here's a part. You sound so convincing. If your ideas are so perfect the way you sell them, how come others are not implementing it? You, got, you, you can't tell me it's because well, uh, you know, the way uh, the world has uh, ruled is the people of power are so power hungry that they eventually go up there and all of them unite and they don't want to do anything and they're not willing to give up their powers and their privileges. And this is why the idea of anarchy has never been because I get it and these other guys don't. Right. So 
if it's so perfect the way you do I it, I didn't say perfect. If it's if it's as good as the way you sell it, right. Why aren't smart people out there implementing it? Because the government co-ops smart people. The whole point of our university system is to train the next generation of elite. maybe eighty percent. Do you want to hear my answer? Or maybe eighty percent. Okay. There's a couple of things. First of all, is I should, I think all of us would agree here yeah. that alcohol prohibition was a bad idea, which did not I, I don't think at all decrease the amount of alcohol consumption in this country, or maybe marginally, but vastly increased the amount of crime in this country. How was it that alcohol prohibition was such a popular idea that it got two-thirds of the Congress and uh, was it three-quarters of the states to ratify it? Because there's very many examples. Uh, the, to broader speaking, politics are non-rational. There's an entire system in place where people will vote for their tribe as opposed to the other tribe and not really care if any of their ideas or views are implemented just so long as their team wins. And we, we, this is something we're taught. If you ask conservatives, why are you voting for Dr. Oz? He supported Jesse Smollett. He supported uh, uh, trans kids. They're going to say, well, what do you want me to do? Vote for Fetterman? This, these are my only options. So we're trained since kids that your only options are voting and, and the two disagree. choices are Republican or Democrat. No, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with, uh, with what you just and said. And also where, one more thing. Just uh, sorry, sorry, this yeah. is very key. Because uh, um, Noam Chomsky, who's also an anarchist, a, a prominent linguist as well, he has this great quote. I'm, I'm sorry I'm going to butcher the exact wording. He goes, the way to control a society is to have strictly delineated terms of argument, but have very vigorous debate between those uh, terms. So you're, uh, Jimmy Dora, I don't know if you ever had him on the show, just great I'm dude. surprised that Noam said that, and when I asked him if he would ever debate Thomas Sowell, he avoided it. For, well, I'm not surprised. That's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm very surprised he didn't want to talk to but, Thomas Sowell. You know, Jimmy was on two weeks ago. Jimmy's him. great, but yeah. he he, he, he gave an example of this. Like, if you watch, like, The View, the choices are going to be, should we, can I curse? Yeah. Should we bomb the shit out of Syria or should we bomb the fucking shit out of Syria, right? We're always presented with a very limited range of options on, and then you think, okay, I either have CNN or Fox, but that's basically where the Overton window lies. So any ideas that are a radical threat to the governing structure are going to be marginalized and you're going to be told until very recently where you had independent venues like this, that you're crazy or this is impossible or it'll never happen. And for many people, there is a, still to this day, there is a huge social cost in adopting an, there's a huge social cost in adopting an ideology that's regarded as marginal or unpopular. I don't know about that. I don't you know don't think that. it's a social cost? No, I, 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 okay. So what I think you're doing is super necessary is because you're, you're making people think, right? You're making people think and say, okay, he sounds convincing. He sounds very confident. Doesn't necessarily mean you're right, but it's good the fact that you're we're having this discourse, right? And the audience can be like, "Well, Pat, you made a good point. You don't know what you're talking about. You need to do your research on this. We got to go read this." Here's one. Okay, well, Michael, you, Patrick asked that question. You didn't really give the right answer. No? Great. Let them decide on what they want to sure. do. But but here's the part. So what I think has happened the last few years is we've shown with this tool, we got right now, whatever, 9,100 people live watching. By the time this is going to be done within a two-hour period, 100,000 people will watch it, 24 hours, all the clips together. Say we got four or five million people that watch this to get this argument. Okay. We didn't have this 20 years ago. Correct. Right? So 20 years ago, Michael Malice, you would have had to have gone the traditional way of maybe instead of sleeping nine hours, you would have slept seven and a half hours to make it because a tool like this isn't out there to market it. So it would have been much harder for a guy like you to make it to where you are today, right? Today, the tools allow you to live the life that you've always dreamt about living, which is phenomenal. Yes. However, here's what I think is this tool is given. 
and you may disagree, if 20 years ago somebody said, guys, in 20 years, trans people are going to be accepted, men are going to be transitioning into uh, women and competing, and the Democratic Party, who's always been, they claim they're for women, they're feminists, they're going to be okay with men saying they're women, competing against women, beating records, and they're going to be cornered to, and, and trans, they're going to be all over the place. And Drew Barrymore is going to bring a person in, Dylan, and she's going to get on her knees in front of him and say, I totally understand your pain. That'll never happen. I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. But let me tell you what else is going to happen. What's that? You know, the, the CNN, the Fox, all these guys, yeah, what about them? They're going to get crushed by this guy named Joe. What, what are you talking about? Just regular Joe. It's just a regular Joe. He's not a regular Joe. I'm telling you, CNN and Fox are going to be crushed by a guy named Joe. What does this guy do? Is he a billionaire? Does he have more money than them? No. He just talks and makes people think and brings different people on. So what has he done? Do you know marijuana that is illegal today? Yeah. That guy's going to make people think marijuana is not a big deal. And matter of fact, he's going to bring the richest guy in the world on, <laughs> and that guy's going to smoke weed. And then he's going to, the next day, the market's going to come after him. But now smoking weed is no longer what it was before. Get the hell out of here, Michael. You're out of your mind. That'll never happen in America, conservative. No, it is. It is. I'm telling you. And you're not even going to think twice. When you, Last week, I'm in Bahamas three, four days ago. I mean, the other day, I'm in a, a game. We'll walk by my kids. What is that smell? It's a, a what is that animal that smells like weed? It's a, a skunk. Skunk. Oh, that's what a skunk smells like? You didn't know skunk? Yeah, wacky that's wacky. a skunk. I'm like, oh, really? Yeah, said, yeah, that's a skunk, son. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. That's not skunk, man. It's like five minutes later, Dylan's smiling. I'm like, no wonder this guy's so happy right now. So <laughs> no one cares about smoking weed today. 20 years ago, it was crazy. So this is the point I'm trying to make to you, Michael. And take this personal. I want you to get upset. I'm not going to get upset. And say, screw you, Pat. I'm not going to say okay, that. Okay, that's good. Here's what I would say. If the last 20 years, some of the craziest, wackiest, ideas are not being talked about and some of the things that the conservatives would have never accepted are now saying it's just weed maybe your argument isn't that good or maybe you're just not good at presenting your argument for other people to pick it up because if there's ever been a time to sell your philosophies to be received by millions of people around the world now is the time how come there's not been that kind of momentum yet the anarchist handbook hit number three on amazon uh 20 years ago that book wouldn't have been published uh, so if you're asking me why we haven't gone from uh, the state uh, in 2003 to anarchism today, I haven't been at it that long. Secondly, I don't think you're going to deny, regard uh, if you look at social media and other outlets, which are imperfect but certainly uh, uh, loose vectors uh, or, or metrics, rather, by how I, popular ideas are, the views that I'm putting forward are infinitely more popular than they were 20 years ago. And it is a result of exactly what you're talking about. The fact that now you do not, when we were, before we were born, uh, I think you and I are around the same age, you had three television stations. And it's ABC, NBC, CBS. And if you argue, if you went back in time and you're like, you've got, they're like, we have choices. My friend really loves CBS, but he's an idiot. You know you got to listen to ABC. And 
what it all was was corporate media, and they all basically had the same message, if not if not identical message. Nowadays, then Fox started, and it's like, oh my God, we have Fox. We got to put Fox out of business. These people are crazy. I think most people on the internet now, if they look at Fox, they think that the average age of a Fox viewer is deceased, and that it is to regard Fox as a vector of kind of radicalism as opposed to maybe like a hardcore Republican outlet is absurd. You're not going to really find much radicalism uh, uh, on Fox other than maybe sometimes the mass drive. By the way, you know what would be Tucker. a great commercial? You know would be a great commercial you just gave give me an idea if cnn or or any of these guys wanted to kind of make a commercial to bash fox all they have to do is go uh, rent out a cemetery put a tv there and fox tv all over the place oh, wow. and the only people that listen to fox are dead people listen to cnn listen to abc that'd be a that'd be a pretty but let me so let me ask you this so your your position is that it's a great thing that this trend this trans stuff is happening in sports uh no, I don't think. I'm just saying if, if a crazy idea like that has created this kind of momentum, how come your wonderful idea hasn't? Well, I don't think that ideas uh, necessarily become popular as a function of how true or... or uh, but I think Joe's idea is a great idea that created momentum. And people who were not on his side said that makes sense. Right. So what yeah. I'm saying is sometimes great ideas do catch fire and become popular. And sometimes really deranged ideas do catch fire and become popular because we do because how ideas are formed in this yeah. country and in most country isn't a function of people sit down, they do the research, they look at both sides and they kind of maybe argue with their neighbors. This is just this enlightenment delusion about how people come to their conclusions. People far often uh, read Jonathan Haidt's book, The Righteous Mind. People come to their uh, um, political conclusions for evolutionary reasons, meaning I want the bandwagon effect. You you know, when uh, after Kennedy was shot, they asked people who you voted for in the 1960 election, which was the closest election in American history. And the percentage of people who had remembered, I, I think sincerely, that they had voted for Kennedy over Nixon was far more than the number of people who actually did it, because we tend to want to think of ourselves as being on the winning side. Low status people have an enormous incentive to not rock the boat because they're not in a position to kind of have radical ideas. Because think about it, if I go to an office and I have some kind of wacky ideology and I'm not empowered, yeah. right away I'm outgrouped. So this is one of the many reasons why uh, ideas that are radical are not necessary. Yeah. But, but it's something broader. I don't care about popularity of an idea because I don't think politics is moved by the majority. Politics I, is often— I don't on. disagree. Poli yeah. Let me just finish. Politics yeah. is always moved by an informed, uh, yeah. ideological, usually radicalized minority. <laughs> and this country was founded by a bunch of very small percentage of yeah. people yeah. who had a vision, and they didn't even bother asking the masses what they thought so, about so it. So then that, then that says, if since 1539 this has been an idea, how come it's died? I and don't think it's died at all. I think the idea that government is inherently legitimate is more popular I, now than I don't any think that's an anarchy philosophy. I think that is That's a, the definition of anarchy. No, but, but, but a, a lot of people, uh, both on the left and the right, would agree that the government uh, is too big. Not the government. I didn't say too big. I, not the government. Government itself. The concept so of So in your world, there shouldn't be a government. Or the idea of go the government is not legitimate, yes. I don't think people would say the uh, legitimate, define legitimate. Something that, uh, uh, legitimate for a government to be legitimate means it is in a moral position to enact its edicts upon its subjects. Okay, so so if if so in in other words, I don't think government is legitimate, meaning it's not necessary. No, it's doesn't like I don't have a right to go in your wallet and take money, right? 
But somehow the withholding tax is re- people think, well, you pack- taxes are the price you pay for a civilized society. That, to me and to other anarchists, is not legitimate. How far off are you from uh, Ayn Rand's philosophy? Well, Rand hated anarchists. Uh, she's on the cover of the book. You know, she's, The first chapter is her testifying in front of the House Un-American Activities Committee. If you, it's funny because you know her kind of objectivism. I don't like calling it a cult, but it's, it basically has cult-like aspects. But what she describes as Galt's Gulch in Atlas Shrugged is effectively a private anarchist community. Who else is on that book, by the way? Uh, it's Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher, Emma Goldman, and Elena Ceausescu. And why'd you pick those four? Um, I wanted the since the book is dealing about. Uh, starving uh, the Holodomor, starving millions of people in Ukraine, concentration camps, the gulags, um, the show trials, the Stasi, uh, and ultimately the fall of um, the Soviet Union and its uh, subject satellite states. I wanted the, there's a, Jane Wheedlin was a singer, was, excuse me, the rhythm guitarist for the Go-Go's, and she had this comment about their music, which is very new wave music, that it sounds very chipper, but if you look at the lyrics, they're very, very sad. So I wanted the cover to be like, all right, the content is going to be very, very dark, but I want it to be like sunny and, and almost silly. Um, so the cover looks like kind of like a 1970s like a movie poster or a play poster. And you would think it's kind of a romance novel, but I want to have that bright, sunny cover, given that the contents are so dark and disturbing. Michael, were you born in Ukraine? Yes, sir. OK, so what do you think about what's going on right now in Ukraine? I don't think I have a very informed perspective on what's going on. My big concern, my background, you know, uh, we talked before, I did a book on North Korea called Dear Reader about Kim Jong-il. And my big concern is that we're facing a replication of the Korean War. In the Korean War, you had North Korea with the great leader Kim Il-sung, backed by Mao and Stalin, China, uh, Russia, uh, China and Russia, respectively. You had uh, Sigmund Rhee in the South, backed by the U.S. and the U.N. And what ended up happening is Korea, the Korean Peninsula, was leveled, and the devastation for the people was enormous. So I'm very concerned that there is enormous pressure, understandably, uh, to not reach any kind of settlement. Um, and that the people who are going to end up paying the price are the Ukrainian people. That's my concern. People who are going to end up paying the price are Ukrainian people if they don't find a way to settle. Or even it seems like there's no good solution here. Right. Because if they're settling and you're going to say, OK, not you. I mean, the, the argument is you're validating Putin's aggression. He's going to do it again. That's a fair argument that it's like, well, you can't settle, not give an inch. But then like, yeah, but you're we're here in America. We're not paying the price. But in an anarch, anarchy philosophy, you got to kind of leave it alone. Right. And let them kind of do their own part. I I. I I don't think this is really a question of libertarian, Republican, Democrat, or anarchist. I think this is just a question of, right, what are what is the facts of the matter? And I don't think I have the facts on this issue. How is that possible? You're, 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 it's like your homeland. Like if something happens to this you. This is my homeland. No, I, I get left that. here. But I get that. But like even, uh, is there any affinity to Ukraine for you? None. Zero. No, we spoke, we spoke Russian. I don't even speak Ukrainian. So you were born in Ukraine. But I left when I was one and a half, so it's not like I have fond memories. And it's not like we left because it was so great. Yeah. And again, but this was the Soviet Union. So Ukraine in 78 is going to be very different from Ukraine in 2023. And also Moscow in 78 is going to be very different from That's Moscow. That's a little strange, though. You're a pretty well-read guy, and you're a pretty smart guy. To say, I don't, like, uh, 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 you know, I don't have any uh, opinion on the country I was born in that's going like it's the topic of discussion on every single channel right now. Yeah. Uh, OK. So if there. So, so OK. So let's so do you support the fact that U.S. is given the kind of money they're giving and they're 
uh, uh, helping them out in this war in a proxy war type of a thing that's going on? Do you support that? I would. I don't know because I don't know where this is going. Are we going to say that we're going to just fund it interminably? Yeah. Uh, is or because that seems to be the premise. In which case, the Ukrainians are going to be emboldened to fight, and then one day, what are we going to do? Cut and run, and then they're left holding the bag. So that is my concern. Okay. It's, uh, here's the thing. It's not like Ukraine, Russia, or the U.S. are going to somehow regard, disregard the legitimacy of government overnight. So this is not a situation where there's like, a, like an anarchist answer or I'm in a position or an authority to speak for anarchism. Then, then, then if that's the case, you, the, anarchy will never happen if that's the case. It's happening right now. This is us. This is anarchism. No, but this is at a very, very low level. Anarchy, well, let me, let me rephrase that. For anarchy to happen at the highest level, Based on what you're saying, it'll never happen. But there is no highest level under anarchism. The whole point is that if fine, if you want to say that anarchism yeah. can only work in a small community, fine. Let us have our community and leave us alone. Okay, so that's then that's what you are. Then you would you would uh, you would much rather have your own community. You go live in with a bunch of anarchists, and you guys create your own they guidelines. Have, you got they, land. You're happy with. They that. don't have to be anarchists. I mean, it doesn't. Here's the thing. Do you regard if, if they're not anarchists? If, hold on. Let me if, ask. If, you. If, if one of them is. Uh, if one of them is ambitious and he says, look, I, I have ambitions in an anarchy system, that guy's eventually going to go and say, here's what I think we should be doing. And if that guy's got better ideas than yours or is better at selling it than you, then eventually it's going to convert into a different kind of a government no, when you die. Not, not, not necessarily because I don't think <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I'll, I'll, I'll answer I'd what? love to hear it. Yeah. Better ideas are not the ones that always went out as prohibition demonstrated, because then we repealed it several years later. There's many examples in the markets where bad ideas work for a temporary period, then they're rejected. Um, but let me just speak to your point earlier. Do you, if the Chinese government right now passed a law yeah. that said everyone has to wear orange all the time, would you regard those laws as valid? If China did what? If, if China passed a law, an edict that said everyone, everyone on earth has to wear orange, would you find that as, as legitimate? It'd be weird. That's not what I asked you. Would you yeah. regard it as legitimate? Would you start wearing orange? No. Why not? Because they don't look Dutch. <laughs> Is that true? They wear orange in, the, in, yeah. in Holland. That's. I wouldn't. I wouldn't wear it. That's why, why I'm not living there. Right, but why? Why wouldn't you wear it? It's. It's. I like my choices. Okay, but do you regard their that law as legitimate or not? No. Okay, so all anarchism says is that it regards Washington's laws as legitimate as those of Beijing. You can say that all you want. All I'm Thank saying you. to you is... You, you, <laughs> and no, I will. You should. This you is should, anarchy. But you should say that. That's great. But to, to think that this is at the top level, uh, you know... So, so if I ask you those questions and then I say, well, what do you think about what's going on with Ukraine? And, and well, it's, I'm not educated enough to come on. Okay. But you're from there. Yeah, but I'm an American myself. I, I understand that, but you're from there. Yeah, but I left when I was a year and a half. I don't even remember anything. I'm more like a, I speak Russian. Okay, I get that. But you have these ideas of anarchy in a situation like anarchy. What should happen over there? Well, we're not there right now for us to give that opinion. Then, then your argument loses weight because it can only carry – that argument can only be sold in low-level conversations, not at high-level conversations. A conversation that carries weight and momentum is, is – is got enough backing to say it would work if right now, let's just say the world was ran this way. Here's what would happen between Russia and Ukraine. Leave them alone. Okay, then Ukraine would become Russia. Well, that's their business. That, that's not it at all. My point is, I think it's important when someone gets on a mic to come at it from an informed perspective. And I think just because an issue is very popular in the news, that does not mean that it's. A, 
Are you are you going to let me finish or not? That does I, not I'm shaking my head doesn't mean you can't finish. Uh, fine. It doesn't mean that I have to have an opinion yeah. on every single issue. And I think a big problem in our culture is that everyone feels to have an opinion on every single concern. I'm not a Ukrainian. I'm not in Eastern Europe. I've never stepped foot there since I was one and a half. So I don't, I agree with you, I don't know how anarchist principles would happen in the middle of a war between Russia and Ukraine. So I don't it, know who the good so, guys so are. Then it's, listen, then, then, it's, so then it's a good conversation to have, you know, to go in on shows and all this other stuff, but it's, it doesn't carry enough weight on its own to rule and they, or to have a country around it. That's kind of what you're saying. But it's not, it, I'm saying it wouldn't be a country. It's a relationship. So, number one. And second of all, hold on. I don't think that if the U.S. was communist, yeah. fascist, liberal, conservative, progressive, I don't think any of those would inform the question of what should the U.S. do vis-a-vis -vis the Ukraine and Russia. It's not a function of what government we have, what the right thing to do is over there.